Yeah, OU recruiting's in a good spot, but you probably already know that, right? I thought you couldn't recruit an elite class to Norman. <laughs> <so. laughs> Turns out, my friend, not only can you uh, recruit at an elite level, you can recruit at a much uh, a bigger level, more of an elite level than you had previously, huh? We haven't seen OU uh, recruiting rankings like this in quite some time. It's amazing. Business is a booming. It's amazing what uh, recruiting rankings can do when you actually have legitimate talent recruited on both sides of the ball. You're not chasing a top five class with just an elite quarterback and uh, a couple of really highly rated wide receivers and a running back. If, if you're able to land big time prospects on both sides of the ball, duh, like OU's doing right now, much easier to get to a uh, top five class. We're seeing that firsthand. So yeah, OU recruiting is in a good spot right now, 24, 25, and even 2026. But the interesting part right now, Parker, is that you're kind of a – you're in a little bit of a like a holding pattern, I guess, when it comes to the next commit because you feel good about Eddie Pierre-Louis. You feel good about Reggie Powers. You feel good about Grant Bricks. And now we just kind of wait to see who's next to commit in the 24 class. You want my official prediction on the record? Uh, yeah, text line as well, 405-651-3439. I'm guessing you're going with the Michigan State decommit here. Uh, I, I, my prediction is that Reggie Powers is the next one to drop. I would, uh, I would think that that is the heavy favorite at this point. I guess the question is, from now until Saturday, is the over-under on commits this week at 0.5, and will the over hit on that? Uh, if that is the line, I am taking the over. Feels like that's a pretty good number to set on this Tuesday, right? Get one commit this week for, for 2024. But, I mean, is it fair to say that at any point, Grant Bricks is the type of guy that could commit at any point? I know the <laughs> yeah, staff is, is going out there to see him on Friday, right? And I'm not saying that that is likely, but he just seems like the kid where OU feels really good about it, Nebraska feels really good about it from OU side, like, Everyone thinks it's OU, and it could just happen at, at, at any moment here. Yeah, I mean, that's that's about an adequate sum of it there, Tyler. I am going to be up in Lamar's, Iowa. Beautiful. This Beautiful week, place or this, this Friday evening to watch Bricks again for the second time in three weeks. So hopefully after touching base with him again, I'll get a better sense of when this thing is finally – coming to an end but it, then again he's also the type of kid where you just you're, you're never really sure of anything you have your read you got your spin you're never really sure of it though yeah and uh well but still everyone feels good about grant bricks and uh, ou's chances to land what i mean he would go at, he would go down as um i mean your your highest ranked in, in terms of all the services there um, your highest-ranked uh, offensive line commit in 2024, and there could be six of them by the time you get to uh, signing day. I'll tell you who the next commit won't be, or at least it doesn't sound like it, based on the uh, statement that he released last night. While I am thankful for all the coaches and schools that recruited me, I am 100% locked into Clemson. My recruitment is closed. And then you have the uh, Clemson logo at the bottom there. Yeah. Hmm. Sounds like Bryant Wesco is... Uh, even after three losses by Old Dabo, locking it down and saying, no, nope, I'm going to Clemson. Um, I, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm not going to say too much here. Hopefully everybody will catch my drift. So I was told 
talking to somebody that knows that situation, knows the family, that uh, there are reasons why Bryant Wesco reaffirmed his commitment to Clemson. And there are... What, Dabo's finally adapting to the new uh, (laughs) trends or the the new era of college football? There were some incentives at play. Oh, nice job. Dabo's adapting. That's, that's, That's good to hear. He's uh, been needing to do that. For, I know. Which uh, I, I was honestly years. very surprised to hear that. I was like, "Really, Clemson?" But okay, there you go. CD from Hockley. What staff members are going to see Bricks? Anyone other than Beanbow? Going to no, be up just, there at Lamar's Iowa? It's supposed to be just Bill. Blacktop Billy says he has a starting job there next year. Why not? Good quarterback. Are you, are you saying that Kate Klubnick is a good quarterback, Blacktop Billy? And why wouldn't Bryant Wesco go there because he could start immediately? Okay, to be fair. I do think Cade Klubnick is a good quarterback. I find it very, very hard to have faith right now in Lil Mule Shoe. Because whatever he is doing... Not working. It's not working. and against It uh, hasn't taken. And, and not like the ACC is some great conference either. I, I, I know Duke's got a good defense. Florida State's got a pretty good defense. But uh, come on, three losses already and the offense looks pretty stagnant. Yeah. Uh, 918 says, after all those three, or after those three, is there anyone else on the radar? So basically saying, after Eddie Pierre-Louis, after Grant Bricks, after Reggie Powers, is there anyone on the list that could commit soon? And that that really kind of leads into just the question overall for this 24 class, where are they still looking for players, and where are they done? Now, at pretty much every single position, if someone unexpectedly comes back up, reaches out to you, you hear that you have a chance and it's a five-star, can't-miss prospect, then you'll take that player at just about every single position, right? But realistically, let's kind of go down the line on October 24th where OU's at. Quarterback, they done. got two, they're done. Running back, done. done. Wide receiver, unless it's, unless it's a five-star that's out there, done. Unless someone flips, you're done there. Tied in, Devon done. Mitchell, done. Offensive line, you're still waiting for EPL and Grant Bricks, but after those two, completely done? Yeah, so I mean, you have the only two offensive targets left on your board, unless Terry Bussey wants to come on, then it's just Eddie Pierre-Louis and Grant Bricks that you're waiting on. That's it. Um, defensively, defensive line, <laughs> what happens with williams when I know, like it, it's, it's flip-watch is what it is. Everybody that you're still in contact with on the defensive side of the ball right now, save for Reggie Powers and Kobe Black, I guess. You're trying to flip dudes. Yeah. Defensive lines, flip watch, linebacker. I mean, Peyton Pierce is locked in with Ohio State. Yeah, so that's a, that was a fun conversation at one point, but you're 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 done there. Secondary, what are you gonna you're gonna end up with six with Reggie Powers, right? It'll be so seven, actually. Seven, so you're 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 done there as well. So if we Powers, had, EPL, Bricks, that's your class that's, right that's there. Your, like, that's your board. Like We yeah. could uh, have a dry erase board and have the entire board up in front of us right now. Bricks, EPL, Terry Bussey, Powers, and uh, uh, Bricks in there. I think that I got would be all five. 29 scholarship commits. 31 nationally ranked commits if you throw in the PWOs, Andy Bass and Bergen Kaiser. So that, Tyler... That is an SEC class, right? Well, there. I mean, and that's it goes back to yeah, OU's in a really good spot with recruiting because it's this late in the process. We mentioned five players that are still on the board right now, 
And I don't think that there's necessarily a feel of, oh my gosh, you better land three, you better land four of these five if we're going to be able to call this a successful class. Like, you want to go get as many of those guys as possible, right? But it feels like if you can just go get EPL, you can get Grant Bricks, or maybe just one of the two, you're going to look at this class and say, yeah, they pretty much hit all the positions that they needed. So, though there's a small amount of names here, again, just five, they don't need to close with four out of the five or five out of the five for us to be really excited on signing day. We're, we're really excited right now about where this class sits. So, yeah, it's at a good spot. It's at a good spot. No there's no, like, there, there, there are no qualms to be had with that class if that is the class you end up with. 29 commits plus Bass and Kaiser. If you flip somebody down the stretch, you flip Winnery, you flip Terry Bussey, you flip Dominic McKinley, one of those guys, great. But I don't think you're wringing your hands on signing day wondering, oh, what could have been if you just end up with the class that you actually have committed slash will have committed within the next few weeks. Loco Ohio says, so is T.J. Moore no longer an option, LOL. T.J. Moore never really was yeah, an option. Some have been like, floating out that, uh, well, maybe they'll circle back, uh, maybe another wide receiver. I, I, I would tend to think that they're, they're, they're sets. They, they, they feel good about where they're at at, uh, at wide receiver. Slim Brady, I'm expecting Williams Winery to release a statement similar to Wesco here soon. Two laughing face emojis. Yeah, but here's the deal. It'll be an OU and a Missouri logo at the bottom and not just the Missouri logo. <laughs> I am still committed to Missouri, the only school I am considering flipping yes. to. There will be OU University. gloves, though, uh, in OU cleats <laughs> somewhere in the, uh, in the graphic that is released. Oklahoma Johnny says, if OU wins a Big 12 championship and gets into the playoff or championship game, would there be any big-time recruits not named Winery? How the hell ever you spell it. You got close, Oklahoma Johnny. That could reconsider OU. Um, not, I mean, not, not really. I, I mean, maybe in twenty five, you're talking about some names that you're in on all of a sudden that you weren't initially. But by the time the national championship game is played, the first signing day, which is the most active signing day these days, will be, uh, will be long over. Will be long over. So, I, I would tend to think like some players that you might be in on that you wouldn't have originally with a national title, it may be more transfer portal guys than anything, than anyone in this 24 class. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm just curious in a general sense to see how heavily OU actually utilizes the portal this offseason. Because this class is huge, and... The Sooners, granted, will graduate a lot of seniors. But I, and this is maybe a conversation that warrants a whole segment on another day, Tyler. But when you look at the position groups across the board for OU, are there any that you'd identify and say, okay, we're going to need immediate help next year from somebody with experience? We D, could D line. I mean, they're just the amount of bodies that they're losing. I would say that they're going to be active. But I've thought that for a couple of months now. Yeah. Not that I feel bad about the young talent on the defensive line. I'm just talking, you know, about numbers. Yeah, but at midseason last year, my point is this: at midseason last year, there were at least three or four position groups where we were going, man, they're going to need to hit. They, they're going to need to hit the portal hard for some help. I'm sure backer. We said that. Yeah, and so. Yeah, Maybe it's just because of seven and zero. Maybe that's maybe that's kind of clouded our judgment. I don't know. But all in all, when I look at this roster top to bottom, 
I, there's no one group that stands out to me and screams problems. Well, you can be a lot more selective this time with the portal, right? Like you can like really see who's out there and say, all right, this guy got a chance to help us immediately, even though if we're really good at this spot. Like, yeah, sure, I I, I understand what you're saying. You might not have to take a. Uh, you know, G G five player somewhere in the uh, interior of the defensive line to to help you out. I I think they'll fare just fine in the uh, in the portal this time around. Uh, Joe in Tulsa says, but only one linebacker. He might go play baseball at any time. Maybe Michael Boganowski ends up at linebacker. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm good with what uh, OU is going to get at linebacker in this class because I see what OU has at linebacker right now on the roster. And you just didn't need a class with you know four or five backers in it. You're you're pretty good with the young talent that you have. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Rivals is checking in on the five stars. They're checking in on Williams Winery. They're checking in on David Stone as well. What do they say about Williams and his pledge to Mizzou? What do they think about David Stone and his commitment to OU? We'll hit all that next and a whole lot more right here on the Ref. We're the Homeless Suitor fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref, we are the home Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, and of course you, the ref army as well, listening nationwide on our free KREF app. Marietta, Georgia is tuned in today. Henderson, Nevada. Fairhope, Alabama. Gresham, Oregon. Porterville, California. Burleson, Texas, and our small Oklahoma town of the day, Grove, Oklahoma. Which I was looking at Grove, Oklahoma to make sure it met the uh, threshold. And Grove, Oklahoma is claiming uh, Sam Pittman. For now, the Arkansas head coach. Sam Pittman was born in El Reno. He graduated, um, let's see, yeah, yeah, the family moved to Grove, Oklahoma, where uh, he attended high school. So I guess Grove gets the claim of uh, Sam Pittman. We'll see if uh, Sam Pittman's got a job. In yeah, his time I was about to say, field. that might not mean much in the next year. He may be back at here. Grove High School next year. <laughs> <laughs> Hope not. He seems like a, seems like a cool dude. Uh, Affordable Door Company bringing you the Ref Army locator. They do residential garage doors, commercial garage doors, service and repair, and garage doors uh, openers as well. Check them out, affordabledoor.net. That's affordabledoor.net. Here's what Rival says as they check in on the five stars. David Stone, OU commits. With the defense playing so much better, with the Sooners again a top-rate team, with Stone from the state's, and with any concerns his family might have had rectified, it looks like his Oklahoma pledge is more locked in than ever. That really might not have been the case at this time last year with Miami and many others involved, but Oklahoma is landing a very talented player and maybe the best interior defensive lineman in this class. What do you think about that? That tracks. No qualms with that. I mean, Miami wasn't good last year either, but... If this was a year ago, we think David Stone would have uh, left one six and seven team for another. Well, Miami was paying out the wazoo at this time last year too, <laughs> so they, he might have. But I, I do agree with that last part, especially. It feels like um, David Stone is as locked in as he's been this entire time, and, and why I say that is he's been one of OU's biggest cheerleaders out there on social media. He's been he's been having a good time out there, so it would. I, I I can't look at anyone in this class and say, yeah, you might need to worry about this guy being on flip watch. I can't point to anyone, but if I were to try, I, I definitely wouldn't start with David Stone. 
I'm not even sure who you would start that's with. What I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm saying. I, I couldn't point to anyone. And we get that question every so often. Who do you think is most likely to decommit? Well, I, I couldn't Sometimes give you an answer, answer that no was one. anything more than speculative at this point. And OU would end up as uh, one of the few top 25 classes to go from start to finish if that happens without a decommit. Like Georgia might end up with the number one class. Georgia ended up with a decommit to what it's one of its biggest rivals in Auburn, a five-star player. So decommits do happen, including the teams who have won back-to-back championships. But if I had to guess right now, Parker, we're talking about on signing day, the second signing day, that OU never had a decommit. And they'll be one of the few classes out there where that was the case. You'll take that. No attrition whatsoever. I mean, that, and that is Brent Venable's recruiting philosophy operating at peak efficiency at that point, too. Here's what Rival says about Williams Winery. Oh, boy, here's the drum. Will OU get a mention when they talk about the Missouri commit? I'm going to say yes. The five-star defensive end Missouri commit was back in Columbia this weekend for the Tigers' convincing win over South Carolina. He was joined by top target Ryan Wingo and others. Don't kill me, Missouri fans, but Oklahoma is not stopping here. And there is at least a sliver of confidence on the Sooner side. I'll believe it when I see it. So, yeah, they can't talk about williams Winery without saying, hey, Oklahoma's not giving up here, and for what it's worth, the OU side still feels like they have a real puncher's chance at this one. So that's, that's what Rivals is saying slash hearing on williams Winery, which, you know, Checks out for you know what, what, what we uh, mostly talk about with him. Whatever happens with Williams Winery probably doesn't happen until the very very end, like close to signing day, if not on signing day. I would think it would be on signing day, honestly. If but it yeah, happened. it's it's interesting because you would have figured a week like this, Oklahoma is going to play a road game up in Lawrence, which is not much more than an hour from Lee's Summit. So you'd figure, okay, well, the OU staff is going to be out at Lee Summit watching williams Winery, right? Well, uh, Lee Summit North is on a bye this uh. week. They're, they're too good. They went 9-0 and in the regular season. They get a bye in the first round of the Missouri State playoffs. So they don't actually play this Friday. So OU has, what, two home games remaining? And williams Winery hasn't taken an official visit to OU so far this football season. He's been in Columbia a couple of times, right? Does does Winery need to end up on campus before signing day for us to feel like there's a legitimate chance that it could happen? Or is there absolutely a path where he doesn't take a trip for the West Virginia game, he doesn't take a trip for the TCU game, he doesn't take a trip in December, and we still feel like there's a chance that OU can land him when it's all said and done? Is taking the visit a prerequisite for a flip? No, I don't think so. But obviously... You'll feel much better about your odds to flip williams Winery if he does show his face on campus at Oklahoma rather than just chilling at home at LSN. You'll just think the possibility is a lot more real if he uh, ends up at campus exactly. at some point, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and the hype train is going to get rolling quickly. Yeah, well, I, that's going to uh, <laughs> that, that's gonna be one of the major stories that week in recruiting for 2024 if williams Winery at any point whether it's a game or not, takes a visit. And I'm going to guess the most likely, if he, if he ends up here for a game, probably most likely would be that West Virginia game. Um, you've got, just because your last home game is at 11 a.m. The day yeah. after Thanksgiving, right? 
So that West Virginia game all of a sudden, and I don't know if we'll look at it as the biggest recruiting weekend of the year, but as it sits right now, it's, all right, does Eddie Pierre-Louis, does he in fact make it in for that West Virginia game? Does Kobe Black make it in for that West Virginia game? And do you have a surprise like williams Winery come in for that game? So there's actually, I wouldn't say a lot on the line, but a lot to maybe look forward to for that weekend for OU in the 24 class. It could be a huge weekend as far as movement with some of their key targets down the stretch. And by that point, Tyler, I, I'm going to say should. You should have 29 commits. You should have everybody off your board, save for the big boys at that point. It should be limited to Winery, Kobe Black, McKinley, et cetera, by that point. And all the uncommitted guys that you've been targeting should be locked in. Uh, Big Chris. It says, Big Chris, truly seven feet tall. Wow. What day is signing day? Is that December 20th, the first signing day? I believe it is December 20th. Which is a Wednesday, uh, I think. So, yeah. KW in the 918. I prefer he didn't come to one of our home games. Our home slate is terrible, and they are all at 11 a.m. I'd hard pass if I was a recruit. <laughs> the home slate sucks, and the time sucks. KW the 918 just saying, hey, just how about this? The next time you're in Norman for a game, it'll be in the non-conference portion of the 2024 season. We got a few SEC games there. Just call it good on that front, williams Winery. Or if he takes a visit during the season to OU. I'm half kidding about this, but Missouri says, all right, let's bump this kid even more with what we're already offering him. (laughs) Yeah, well, and you know that's going to have to – that will happen if he ends up visiting OU or anywhere else for that matter because that's one of the best ways that kids can drive up the bag is taking visits elsewhere. 405, is Kobe Black trolling OU knowing that he's going to Texas? (laughs) Look, I – is he trolling OU? No, I don't think so. Because Brent Venables coached Kobe Black's dad at Kansas State. So the relationship there does go back a long, long way. But does he end up at Oklahoma? I have never been much of a believer in that. 918, with how the running back situation is panning out, does OU look into the portal? I know we have depth, but no one is standing out. Maybe Ollie Gordon? Ollie Ollie Gordon in the portal? Get Trace Ford to be your lead recruiter. OSU is now all of a sudden the minor league team for uh, OU Athletics. (laughs) Uh, You you get Trace Ford, you get Kelly Maxwell, uh, the OU women's basketball team got a transfer from Oklahoma State. Can you imagine the conniption that Mike Gundy would uh, have? That'd be the final straw. He's already said a few things, but that would be be it. Yeah, maybe that's how it is. Maybe we just spend our December now evaluating the Oklahoma State roster and start talking about who OU could use off that roster. Uh, that's funny. But, yeah, they would pick – they would choose Ollie Gordon, number one overall, if they got to take any player from Oklahoma State. He is uh, – Yeah, that boy good. Yeah, he's, he's that good. He's that good. Oh, we have another Emeka Megua question. Second one of the day. What is the status of Emeka Megua? I guess that's how bad things have gotten at running back. People are asking about Emeka Megua. Yeah, he's not playing this year. He's not playing this year. Might never play at Oklahoma with the state of his knee injury. Yeah, and I think we said that all the way back in like uh, yeah. July, August, right? That that was probably going to be the case. If you're looking for someone that you haven't seen a lot of, and, and I've honestly kind of given up hope on this because they played seven games, but I I, I don't know. Like the, the two freshmen would be more likely than Emeka Megwa, but it doesn't seem like we're going to see just a ton of Hicks and Smothers here moving forward. 
If anything, maybe Gavin Sawchuk gets uh, more run on Saturday after Brent confirmed today that Tawi Walker's going to be back. There's a pretty short answer, but he was like, uh, yes, in response to the question, do you expect Walker to be back or not? Any uh, any main takeaways from the press conference for you other than that? No, nothing that nothing that jumped off the page, I don't think. Um, you did ask him a question yeah. about um, how do you, like, does the – does the plan of attack and recruiting change a little bit now that, you know, what you're selling was maybe a little bit different this year than it was last year? Yeah, because you have more to sell this year than you did last year. Uh, obviously, last year you could only pitch a vision. This year, not only can you pitch a vision, but you can show the results. And so Brent Venables said what, you know, I expected and was kind of was hoping he would say, which is, look, you're always trying to pitch a vision regardless of what the results have been or are in the moment. You're always trying to sell the heights to which a program like this can soar with the right people and the right players in the mix. There was a hashtag talk about question today. There was a hashtag talk about. OU Insider feed, which I appreciated that. Scott T is letting us know that OU Football put out a tweet wishing uh, Emeka Megwa a happy birthday. That's why all the questions That makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. Yes. Maybe that's his birthday present. They're going to let him uh, get a few carries uh, in the Kansas game. Yeah, kidding. Kidding about that. Uh, 918, one more before we hit a break. I'm sorry if you guys have already answered this, but do you think BV was kidding about Lewis Carter at running back when he was at Rudy's last night? It uh, or could that be a, a legit plan to move him there? Yeah, I I am very much of the belief that he was joking. If Danny Stutzman is gone after this year, Lewis Carter, like um, I, I'm thinking, I, I always get Lewis Carter and Kip Lewis mixed up. But Lewis Carter's going to play next year, is, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and he'll he's play gonna be quite a big a time backer. Year. And look, if Brent Venables wanted to put a true freshman at running back, well, he's already got two two yes, true correct. freshmen that he could put at running back that actually play running back, and we haven't seen much of him. Yeah, he was kidding about Lewis Carter. Lewis Carter's a linebacker, whereas uh, that's exactly where he needs to be, and you'll see him there next year, first year in the SEC. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Yeah, the running back situation is interesting going into the weekend. We'll look at that and more OU Cruton as well right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. OU's going all the way out to Goodland, Kansas for a tight end offer in 2025. <laughs> How can you not offer a guy with a name like that? Lincoln Cure. L-I-N-K-O-N-C-U-R-E. Lincoln Cure. Yeah, he's, he's destined to be here, right? Goodland, Kansas, though, that reminds me of some drives from uh, OKC to, to Denver yeah. that I've made a couple of times. Dude, that drive, when you're going north to Salina, and then you hit Salina and just go west until you hit Denver, that's rough. Goodland, Kansas, though, is the, uh, the site of, oh, I've almost hit Colorado. I'm, I'm, I'm getting close. Who was uh, the, the Nebraska quarterback from Goodland, Kansas? Brooke Beringer. Yeah, that's right. Didn't he win a national championship there? Or was a part of a, maybe the 94 championship team? He was a part of the national championship team, yes. He was the backup to Tommy Harris. And was it Tommy Harris? No, it, it was. It uh, wasn't Tommy Harris. It was Tommy uh, Frazier. Uh, Tommy Frazier. That's what I meant. That was dumb. Tommy Frazier. Um, that's 
Yes, that's what I meant. But Tommy, but yeah, he was Nebraska still would have won in 94 and 95, but Tommy oh, yeah, Harris yeah, yeah. a quarterback. I mean, mm-hmm. look, Brooke Barringer would have gotten drafted had he not passed away in that airplane crash. And I don't believe he ever started – he might have started a game or two at Nebraska. Never really played substantially. But when he did play, he was good enough that like he had legitimate NFL draft stock. That's the two things I think of uh, when I'm rolling through Goodland, Kansas, all two times. He, him and his career at Nebraska, and ah, you're, you're, you're almost to Colorado. You, you, you've almost finally made it out there. But, what I mean, is OU going to take – I mean, they're going to take at least two tight ends in 2025. How many offers do they have out at this point? Three? Desan Brame, Nate Roberts, and now Lincoln Cure. Well, they've got Chase Lofton as okay. well. That's a fourth. They've offered Bear Tenney down at Lovejoy High School. They've offered a few more. I want to say they have seven or eight outstanding offers to tight ends. So it's two of the max tight ends that they would take in 25. Uh, I, I think so, but uh, again, watch Lincoln Cure's film and tell me you are not finding a spot for that kid even if Nate Roberts and Desan Brain were already committed. Just take five tight ends next, uh, next I mean, hey, cycle. We, we have seen teams take three tight ends in a cycle before. It's been done. Miami did it a couple years back. Georgia, it feels like they do it regularly. Just load up on tight ends. And of course, like if you, if you hit on one special dude at the tight end position, you see where that can take you with Georgia and Brock Bowers. From the 405, I was born in the thriving metropolis of Goodland. How about that? The, uh, the the text line is all over the place. We saw some of Barnes last year. We have seen Major this year. Seems that Barnes and Major are similar. You guys see them more than we do. In your opinion, what are the differences that excite you about Barnes over Major? I just think Barnes' ceiling is a lot higher. Um, I just think he has more big play potential than Marcus Major. Obviously, that hasn't been the case this year. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen that at all from uh, Barnes this year, but... I don't know. I just I'm seeing an OU running back uh, group right now, Parker. That's just not. They're not breaking a whole lot of tackles, and unless just a wide open lane is there for them to get seven, eight yards, it feels like it's a struggle to get three and four yards at times. Yeah, and what I like about Javante Barnes, in addition to the big play capability, is that well, and like I. Brent Venables called his situation a funky one. I don't know if this is necessarily indicative of where Javante Barnes is right now, but in the past, what we have seen with Javante Barnes is he's a tough guy to bring down, and at least upon first contact. Now, nobody in that Oklahoma running back room is tougher to bring down than Tawi Walker, but Javante Barnes is a guy that's capable of bouncing off a tackle or two as well, and that's not really something we've seen with great regularity from Marcus Major this year. He has not been terribly elusive after first contact. Uh, Squirrel says, any possibility that the run game suffers from poor run calls by the OC? I Look, I, I think a lot of it's been about the running backs just not being able to uh, you know, run through trash. I think Brent even mentioned that last night. they got to do a better job of that. The, the, way that um, the way that Teddy and I kind of described it yesterday is, you know how the wide receivers weren't making a ton of competitive catches last year? and now they are, it feels like that's the running back's problem this year. Just not a lot of big-time competitive plays that they're making one-on-one. You're not seeing running backs break a tackle after a three-yard gain and you know getting out and getting eight, nine yards after contact. That's just not happening a whole lot. And but, it needs to. By the way, somebody, a listener in California at that, 
sent us a text of a screenshot from Jeff Schwartz. Yeah, he was NFL he was really it. disgusted about watching USC's film on defense uh, from the Utah game. Yeah, this is the tweet. Not to pile on USC, but I'm just about finished with Utah's offensive film from Saturday. USC's defense is just unacceptable. They are small, and it's noticeable. The amount of times they slant out of gaps with backers who don't fill gaps with any urgency is alarming. Man, isn't it fun to see Muleshoe just taking an absolute beating from on everyone, media? From, from the from USC everyone. guys that are in the trenches every single day covering that program? And that's just one tweet from Jeff Schwartz. Uh, they'd include uh, a couple of other like follow-up tweets from, from him on after watching that game. Like, it ended... It ended something like this. I'm paraphrasing uh, quite a bit, but it was, this is freaking USC, man. It looks like a bunch of G5 defenders out there running around, is what Jeff Schwartz was saying after watching that Utah game. Like, Are there any Lincoln defenders at this point? Like, Cowherd would be the last one, and I don't even hear Colin Cowherd defending him at this point. It's, it's gotten that bad. All of his defenders are silent right now. Well, yeah, because I, of him. Yes, so... Uh, I'm sure there are still people that would defend him, but I think they realize that whatever they come out and say in defense of him right now is going to be very quickly rebuffed and shot down. Yeah. Uh, By the way, the five coaches who are on the hottest seats in America, according to 24-7 Sports, uh, Tom Allen at Indiana, he's on the hottest seat of them all, is what 24-7 says. His temperature setting is scorching. $20 million buyout. He's lost 20 of his last 22 games against Big Ten opponents. Ugh. Yikes. They lost to Rutgers this past weekend. $20 million is a lot for the Indiana football program, but apparently uh, they might just pay it because they're just so fed up with Tom Allen in Indiana. Second hottest seed is Sam Pittman at Arkansas. His temperature is hot. His buyout, if fired this year, $16.1 million by the Hawks. And it sounds like if they collapse down the stretch – Lose games uh, at Florida bad. Lose a game to Missouri. Like Don't win out uh, in SEC play. Sam Pittman could be on his way out at, at, uh, at Arkansas. And then here's Jimbo Fisher. His temperature is warm. $76 million is his buyout if he gets fired by the end of the year. Amazing. I, am, uh, I firmly believe the only way, and I mean the only way Jimbo Fisher is back at A&M next year, is if they don't want to pay $76 million to that guy for buyout money. Otherwise, I think they would fire him uh, at, the end, at the end of November, maybe. Think about how mm. much dead money is wrapped up in Jimbo Fisher's tenure at A&M. Not just the money that has been paid to him, but the money that has been paid to all of his recruits. Seriously, man. By the way, love this text. This is hilarious. From a listener here in the 405. I was lucky enough to attend one practice during fall camp and have an Emeka Megwa story. Megwa fumbled while running up the middle, and DeMarco got in his face and said, and I quote, get your effing derriere off my field and go run. Reminded me of some Coach Boone from Remember the Titans. You know, from what I've heard about DeMarco and how intense he is as a running backs coach, um, that that doesn't surprise me at all. Maybe the least surprising text that we've read so far during the show. But, uh, yeah, very revealing and very funny, nonetheless. By the way, Butch Jones, uh, he's on a hot seat as well. There's just one problem. Arkansas State doesn't have $3.3 million to fire him. They don't? So it so sounds like uh, Butch could be back at Arkansas State next year. Gosh, I wonder what their operating budget is as an athletic department. They just don't have that type of money to spend $3.3 million just to fire a coach at the end of the year. Well, they got a freshman quarterback. 
that's uh, playing that's that's playing pretty well. Uh, I think they've maybe won three games. Maybe they're three and four up to this point, or something like that. But he uh, he started a true freshman quarterback after they got beat seventy three to nothing in Norman, and you know there's at least some promise. Okie Drinks Slinger of Texas A and M says, "Don't forget the money they paid Sumlin to bring in Jimbo." Yeah, his wow. buyout. Yeah, do you remember Sumlin's buyout when he got fired? It was thick. Yeah. Jeez, it was thick. A- if A and M fires, uh, if if A and M fires Jimbo at the end of the year, I wonder, like, if you were to add up how much they paid to to fire Jimbo and someone, how that would equate to all other Division One programs and what they've paid in buyout money over the past three to four years. I wonder if A and M has spent more money than the entire SEC in buyout money. Well, over and the past speaking five years. of operating budgets, I would love to know because what did you say Jimbo's buyout is seventy six seventy six mil, mil so, in this year. I would love to know. How many athletic departments in the Power Five have smaller operating budgets than Jimbo Fisher's buyout? Oh, the majority, maybe? <laughs> it's, it's a lot of cash, dude. A lot of cash. 405-651-3439 is the Kennebunk Myers Chevrolet text line. We'll close up Locked In next. Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno, bringing you the sour of Locked In. Dorsey Jones is family-owned and operated, established in 2020, but many of their employees have been there for more than 20 years. They sell Buicks and GMCs, which are some of the best trucks and SUVs on the road. Dorsey Jones, Buick, GMC in El Reno. Saw an interesting stat uh, today. Florida State, Florida, and Miami, the big three in the Sunshine State, all in the top ten right now, according to rivals. And if that were to happen on signing day, it would be the first time since 2012 that all three Florida schools finished in the top ten in recruiting. Florida State has not had a great run in recruiting, uh, what, the past five, six years or so. Florida's been um, Flor- Florida's been o- o- okay. Miami's been maybe a little bit hit or miss at, at some times, but three in the top ten, first time in over ten years that could happen for those three schools. Interesting. Florida's definitely going to end up with the top ten class. They're rolling right now. We have a listener from the 918, Defending Mule Shoe. First one I've seen. I am happy to defend Coach Riley. A great winning record. A great ability to develop quarterbacks. Remember, USC was without an important defender late against Utah because of a bogus targeted call. Also easy because you're such an effing moron and a Riley hater that lacks any class. Now, I do agree with that last sentence there. That last <laughs> sentence is right on. All of those words. All of those words. But... Boy, if uh, you would like to defend him after losing just one defender and still getting shredded like that, Bear Alexander got ejected at what point in the game? That, that was, was about a minute 15 left, I want to say. Right, and Utah already had like 30 points up to that. Like Utah's been a bad offense this year, not very explosive. So what about the other points in the game where Bear Alexander was there and Utah still running up and down the field? Yes, once again. Yeah. Bryson Barnes was literally working at Lowe's two months ago. Yes. They were up 28-14 at one point. There was nothing fluky about that. And this is not the first time that they've allowed a ton of points this year. Notre Dame did it. Hell, San Jose State did it in week zero earlier this year. Uh, Lost City Sooners said Clark Stroud yeah. is salty on the text line. Oh, I would, lo- I would love if that was Clark Stroud. That'd be, that'd be great. Block that moron, says Cherokee Sooner. Uh, why, why, why are USC fans getting so upset when OU fans bring up receipts? Asks a listener in the 405. I think at this point it's just, ah, they really were right. 
they really were right, then they're just lashing out at this point. Because they knew everyone around here was right from the beginning. They didn't want to believe it. They thought they pulled one over on a Blue Blood fan base. Nope. And honestly, man, at this point, like if you're an OU fan, whether or not Brent Venables works out here, I tend to believe that Brent Venables will work out here and he'll be a longtime head coach at OU. But don't you look back at that situation, regardless of what happens here the next two years, and say, man, I'm really glad that that happened. Because yeah. you could already see the direction things were headed here. And now that you look out there, you say, yeah, well, you had a 6-7 and seven year. It was bad last year. But things were really headed in a bad direction with that guy as the head coach. And you had Caleb Williams, which provided some solace, right? Because as long as you had Caleb Williams, you could look at the years ahead at Mule Shoes, Oklahoma, and go, okay, they're not going to be that bad. But again, there was a plateau, and it wasn't the Pelini plateau where you're going nine and four every year. No, it was a plateau where you're winning double digit games, but the quarterback had to steal the ball from the running back to get a first down to win at a bad Kansas State. Exactly. There was never, it, never under Lincoln Riley was Oklahoma going to break through and actually contend for a championship because you can't do that with a one dimensional football team. Certainly not in the SEC. I don't think David Stone's. Uh committed to OU right now and some other legitimate defensive linemen, defensive players, if that's the case. So you won. OU fans, you won. I think it's uh, very obvious up to this point. Somebody on, the, somebody on the text line asked, what good team has Riley beaten at USC? Not a single one. To that point, no top 15 wins for Lincoln no, Riley um, or at uh, USC. I had the top 25 record last week. I'm trying to find. By the way, he's 17-5 and five right now. Same record as uh, Clay Hilton. At this time at USC, oh, we love to see it. And uh, gosh, I it's Cal you know, two and four versus ranked teams. Now he's two and five versus ranked teams at USC. Not 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 great. Not great. The rush is next. Keep it locked on the ref.